The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Once again, I am the namesake. This is Episode 9 of Season 3. The podcast is a weekly podcast about high school football in the mid-Ohio Valley. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. You can also find us on SoundCloud, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, or through Apple Podcasts. We have a lot to go over from last week's games, get you to a new poll question as well, and set up some really, really neat games this week. This might be the best slate of games, not just in this region, but outside this region we've seen in some time, or at least of this season, we'll say. But a lot to get to from last week. How about PHS playing Wheeling Central? We knew it was going to be an interesting matchup coming in. We didn't really know how or why, and you almost look at it from the PHS standpoint as a no-win situation. Either they get a win over a Class A team, albeit the defending state champions, and people are just like, well, they're a Class A team. Or they don't get the win, and people are just like, well, you lost to a Class A team, despite the fact that Wheeling Central is a good football team. And for more than a half, Wheeling Central had the better of PHS. The Big Reds trailed 21-7 early in the third quarter before scoring the game's last 31 points. This is an effort where PHS quarterback Bryson Singer may have put the Big Reds on his back and shouldered the load. And I think every quarterback has in a season or even in his career, a coming-of-age kind of performance and a coming-of-age type of game. And that definitely looks to be what this was for Singer and for the Big Reds. Again, down 21-7. to In the middle of third quarter, Singer hooked up with Jordan Martin for a 37-yard touchdown pass and then ran for two more scores later in the third, including on the final play of the quarter. He had also run for a third touchdown early in the fourth. So Singer ended up running for three touchdowns, throwing for two others in the game. He counted for five touchdowns total. And PHS, despite barely outgaining Wheeling Central 264 to 228, managed to get the win. Neither team threw the ball all that well, but you don't need to when you got someone running the ball as well as Bryson Singer and as effectively as Bryson Singer for the Big Reds. 20 carries, 126 yards, and as we said, three rushing scores. You add that to two passing scores. Not a bad day at the office for Singer as the Big Reds managed to score the game's last 31 points and put away Wheeling Central. So for Wheeling Central, now they come in at 0-2, despite the fact they have losses against Class AA Polka and PHS, a legendary program in Class AAA and in West Virginia. Despite the fact they're 0-2, Wheeling Central comes in at number 4 in the Metro News Power Rankings. They'll play Shady Side this week, so people know and respect how good they are in what's a wide-open Class A right now. So Wheeling Central on the short end of PHS, but a very good football team. Parkersburg South Sam Schuler had quite a day. Five touchdown passes to four different receivers. 31 for 35, throwing the ball for 393 yards. I think Sam Schuler erased any doubts that existed after South's opener as to whether or not he was the guy for that position and he was going to be the leader that South needed. Parkersburg South did get the win against Woodrow Wilson. 42-6. Two touchdown catches for Gage Wright in his first varsity start. Other touchdowns thrown to Levi Rice, Landon Francisco, and Cyrus Traw. Patriots got right in other ways, too. They cleaned up the penalties and they got better on defense. It was a much improved effort in South's 42-6 win over Woodrow Wilson. The Blue Devils got a comfortable win over Grafton, the final 33-6 there. And they got class double-A points as well. But the big question that came from that game is how do you keep all those running backs happy if you're St. Mary's? St. Mary's had three guys go over 70 yards, but not one get over 100 yards. You have Trey Moss in there. You have Brennan Boron actually was the leading rusher with 96 yards. And then Ben Long with 88 yards. 
yards. So it's an offense that's tough for defenses to stop. St. Mary's racked up 324 total yards, 266 of which were on the ground. It's tough to key in on anybody and focus on anybody, and that's what St. Mary's is going to need to do. But now you have to wonder if you're going to be able to spread the ball around enough. At St. Mary's, they always say that we buy into the full team concept and everyone's just happy to be part of a winning team. And it's not about one person or one player or one coach, but this season is really going to test that for the Blue Devils. How do you keep all those backs happy? That's the thing that they're going to have to make sure they accomplish as they take on Ritchie County this week. The Rebels got some diversity on offense. They were able to get more guys involved as they defeated Wahama 35-6. Graydon McKinney caught a touchdown pass. Blaine Bowie is a guy that Rick Hot, head coach of the Rebels, talked about a lot in the preseason. He caught a 13-yard touchdown pass from Ethan Hot. Graydon McKinney caught a pair of touchdown passes. Gus Morrison ran for a pair of touchdowns. It was all Morrison in their opening week win, and now it's other guys. You're starting to see McKinney step up and have a nice game. Blaine Bowie got a touchdown pass. So the potential's there, and the Rebels were able to get more guys involved or were able to get more guys involved against Wahama. So who has more pressure on them in the St. Mary's-Ritchie County matchup? Is it St. Mary's or Ritchie County? I don't know. St. Mary's has a lot of guys to share the wealth with, and Ritchie County is trying to get their other threats in. I think this is a game that would be much better if it were played later in the season, because we're going to see a good game between these two teams on Friday. But if this were played later in the season, and these teams had some time to develop and had some time to continue to grow on both sides of the ball, I think there's a real sweet spot you could find with this game, where it's not too late to where guys are hurt, but also where it's late enough to where guys are developed enough. So a lot of people maybe took this out of the toss-up category when Trey Moss transferred to St. Mary's, but I really think it's more of a toss-up than people realize because of the way Ritchie County's been able to successfully plug Gus Morrison in. They've also been able to find some other offensive threats. So we'll see what happens here between Ritchie and St. Mary's this week. Much more on that one later. Williamstown and Frontier both rolled to big wins. The Yellow Jackets all over Raymondswood 61-7, and Frontier comes away with a 50-6 win against Bridgeport. The Cougars are actually going to be challenged this week. They're up against 2-0 Cameron. That'll be their toughest test yet. Tyler Consolidated got in the win column with a 34-6 win over South Harrison. The Silver Knights managed to get Trenton Huffman going, 104 yards on 7 carries. Most of that an 83-yard touchdown run. Sage Landis and Hunter Throckmorton got involved as well, and the defense for Tyler Consolidated that's something that we haven't seen from them this early in a lot of seasons. The defense for Tyler Consolidated limiting them to just six points, so we'll see what goes on for them there. Peyton City fell to Van 64-28 in the last game of the season, and what you really have to wonder in some cases if it's not their last game ever. You hope it's not. You hope that's a tradition at Peyton City High School that is able to stay around, but you also have to ask yourself, is this what people want in Peyton City? Is this what they want to do? Is there enough interest to have varsity football at the 11-man level. And Bernie Dolan, the executive director of the Secondary Schools Activities Commission, was on Metro News Sportsline on Sunday this week. And one of the things he talked about was eight-man football. They've already approved eight-man football in JV. And this, there's some differences between the eight-man game and regular 11-man football. It's not just a matter of lining up two fewer people or two more people one way or the other. But there are some different strategies and formations that you have to learn and you have to adapt to when you're in the eight-man game. Again, they've approved it at the JV level, but like I said, that doesn't seem like a one-size-fits-all thing. That seems like, oh, you've got eight, we've got eight, well, let's do eight-man. And I'm not entirely sure how adaptable that is to the 11-man game. But one of the concerns in this state at the varsity level is because the schools that might be tempted to drop down to that, Notre Dame, Parkersburg Catholic, Payton City, uh, they've all canceled seasons due to low numbers in the last few years. And then Hannon delayed the start of their season this year for that same reason. But one of the reasons that you might look at not doing it is because 
because of the fact that there's no one else to go with you. I think it's got to be an intrastate coalition. You've got to find some schools in a couple neighboring states to go with you. Looking across the river, Federal Hawking is a team that had to drop last year because they didn't have enough players to go 11-man. So I think if you can get enough people and enough schools within your region to make it happen, and that also might make some schools consider varsity football. I would think there are lower costs involved with playing eight-man football, fewer people to outfit. Locally, what about a team like Wood County Christian sponsoring eight-man football if that's something they would choose to do in the future? You wouldn't need as many people, resources, so on and so forth. But I think you've got to find some kind of a coalition of schools from both sides of a state border and maybe do it in your region. You've got to get people to go with you. This isn't something you can do alone. You've got to make sure you've got enough people that are going to go with you and try to make this go. I I think at some level, at some time, there'll be a jumping off point where it starts to happen. I also think that teams maybe are afraid if they lose 11-man football and go to 8-man football permanently, then that's going to stay that way. And they're never going to get back to 11-man football. And I'm not sure that the goal should be or is or could be going back to 11-man football at some point. I think the goal should be participation. And if 8-man's where you are, then fine. If you play a few seasons with 24 men on a team and playing an 8-man football team, playing 8-man football, why not do that and then see if the numbers hold rather than having to fluctuate back and forth between 11-man and 8-man. But either way, I think participation is something that is always good to see. And if it takes 6-man or 8-man football to make football still happen and still feasible in your town, well, why not? And see if a couple schools and a couple areas can go with you on that. Marietta got into the win column with an impressive W over Athens, and they got a total team effort in that win. The Tigers got three touchdowns from Tony Munoz, a late defensive stop to seal the win over Athens. Munoz ran for two and caught the other one on a pass from Reese Gerber. So the Tigers come in at 1-2 and two with a little bit of wind behind their sails for the first time this season. The same can be said for their opponent, PHS. So it's PHS that will face Marietta this week, and we'll see who takes the momentum they were able to gain from last week and does more with it in that matchup between Marietta and Parkersburg. Earlier this week, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice announced the addition of a new color to the state's color-coded school activities map. There's a new gold color that will include counties between 10 and 14.9 COVID-19 cases per 100,000 people or counties with a positive rate of 5% or less. The level falls between the current yellow and orange levels. There are now five counties that are in the gold county category, or at least were put there when this was announced on Tuesday, Putnam, Boone, Logan, Mingo, and Fayette counties. Those are schools such as Buffalo, Hurricane, Polka, Winfield, Scott, Van, Sherman, Mann, Logan, Chapmanville, Tug Valley, Mingo Central, Oak Hill, Meadowbridge, and Midland Trail, and activities can begin right away at those schools. That is effective right now. Gold counties may hold extracurricular activities and athletic events, but only against in-county schools, and here's my favorite part of the rule, against schools from other gold counties. Those two counties can be hundreds of miles apart, two hours apart. But you're a Gold County, I'm a Gold County. Well, let's play. Let's pair counties that are just as sick as other counties and put them together in this. Attendance of those events will be limited to parents or guardians if you live in a Gold County. I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to go on a sliding scale from green to red, and there's not a lot of wiggle room between yellow and orange that makes sense. So there's a yellow and then there's a gold on this map. While I applaud the efforts to allow more kids to play and allow participation, Governor Justice said that If we didn't make changes, that would just be foolish to just sit on things as they were and not adjust to the situation and be willing to consider the changes needed to be made. And I agree with that. But at this point, this is almost taking on the absurdity of an Arrested Development episode. This is a plot line that Arrested Development would have loved to have had when they were in their heyday and they would have run with. So there's now a yellow and there's now a gold in our color-coded school activities map. Let's hope more schools get down to the green, yellow, and gold so we can continue to have interscholastic activities and let these kids play the games that they want to play. It's Arrested Development. 
stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's take a look at this week's poll question. We asked if you were able to make it to a high school football game last weekend. Were you surprised by anything you saw? Examples like the size of the crowd, sloppy play, the end results. I was a little surprised by so many of the early season mistake kind of things that you saw. The sloppiness was a little extra sloppy this year at the beginning. I was surprised by some of the pedestrian nature of the crowd in a couple places. I was at Woodrow Wilson in week two rather than week one. And though the home team didn't have much to cheer for, the home fans didn't have much to cheer for, I thought it was a little bit quiet there. I think this season's going to be a bit like some of these NFL games you're seeing where home field advantage doesn't really exist anymore. The fans that are there to make the noise and make a playing atmosphere hostile in which to play, they're gone for the most part. So I think the only thing that is going to make that home field advantage, like in the NFL where you've got to travel, it's the travel itself, but in high school football, that's on school buses and charter buses and going from place to place and getting out of your routine. That's the only thing that's going to make a home field advantage a home field advantage. They're not going to be too many particularly hostile environments, at least not early this season. But to get back to the poll, we asked you, were you surprised by anything you saw if you were able to make it to a high school football game last weekend? Taryn Malone writes, I was surprised that Wheeling Central had five turnovers. I personally was surprised that Polka didn't beat Central by a lot more than 34-6. to six. I believe he covered that Wheeling Central Polka game, so he has the perspective to view that and, and, and to say that and what he saw from Polka and Wheeling Central. I really am surprised that Wheeling Central turned it over five times myself. That's something that's very unwheeling Central-like. I know a lot of people were sloppy in their opener because of the fact that West Virginia had about a week less to practice and one fewer scrimmage, but I would not have expected even a raw wheeling Central team to turn the ball over five times. So I guess Poco was ready to go and ready to play Central, and that's why it's got to be tough for a team like Central. Central's got a target on their back from everyone and anyone in all classes as we found out this week, so people are primed to play wheeling Central when they play them. Rick Schuler, Sam's father, says Sam playing against Capital Midland while playing hurt. He told me privately that he thought Sam was about 80% in that Cabell Midland game. Looked 120%, if not more, against Woodrow Wilson this week. Uh, had an ankle issue in that first game. It appears to be all gone and all behind him. Either that or he hides it really well. But I gotta say what surprised me the most was just how sloppy things were. I mean, a lot of penalties and motion and, and things like that. And you would think that a little bit of that and the cadences and the snap counts would carry over from year to year. And just the idea of not making that that mistake and being on the alert for that kind of a mistake early in the year, even when you've not had a lot of time to practice that. But I was still a little bit surprised by how sloppy. That surprised me a little bit, and I think not quite to the level of the NFL, but I think home field advantage is going to be gone somewhat this year because of the fact that the fans are not going to be there in as many numbers. The bands when allowed, when able, will participate, but there just won't be that pageantry and that extra level of juice that you see at high school football games this year. Earlier this week, I had a chance to visit with a couple area coaches. First, it's Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner. In a 42-6 win over Woodrow Wilson, it's hard to believe the thing to talk about isn't the offense, especially on a game where Sam Schuler threw five touchdown passes. Actually threw more touchdown passes than he had incomplete passes in that game, but the defense did step up for Parkersburg South after allowing 60-plus points to Cowboys Midland holding Woodrow Wilson to six points. I asked Nathan Tanner about the defense, and as you might imagine, he singled out a lot of guys. I thought Brent Parkhurst had a, I guess you call it like a coming out game. He had several tackles for a loss. He was leading our defense extremely well. Devin Gaines had several really good plays. Aiden Morris, he's a freshman. He's getting better every single week. At the nose to have him lining up against the center. Yeah, just on the D-line. He's doing an exceptional job. 
you know, it, it was really cool to see the defensive backs improve from, you know, the scrimmage and Cabell Midland. I thought we defended the pass pretty well and we tackled better and just all around. I mean, it was it, it was nice. But like I said, Brent, he really stood out. Devin, he really stood out. Aiden really stood out. They did really good things. I feel like we were calling Aaron Davis's name a lot too. Yeah, Aaron Davis has his first full varsity football game, really. You know, he played extremely hard and, you know, he grew up some that game. He's another kid that'll just keep getting better and better. That's Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner. I also had a chance to visit this week with Ritchie County head coach Coach Rick Haunt ahead of the Rebels matchup with St. Mary's this week. Both of those teams come into this game at 2-0 with a lot of storylines on the side. Earlier this week, I sat down with Coach Haunt. We talked about some of those storylines. We talked about his team's 2-0 start. Coach, an important win for you last week. You were able to get more people involved on both sides of the ball. Graydon McKinney and Blaine Bowie are guys you talked about a lot in the preseason. and You were able to finally get them more involved than in the opener. Yeah, and that's what we were hoping, what we were speculating on back in August that we thought they could be an important part of our offense. And first game against Magnolia, you're not entirely sure. There's no film, so you're not entirely sure what Magnolia had. We knew they had athletes, and so we kind of, early on, what was working well, we just kind of continued to do. And then week two, it allowed us to open up the offense a little bit and try to get more people involved, because I think for us, down the road, that's going to be more, that's going to be very important for how much success that we have. Yeah, having the multitude of threats, that really allows you to diversify things and not allow people to keep in on Gus Morrison. Is that kind of the thought there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think any defensive coordinator, when they look at uh, Ritchie County High School, what's going to jump out at him right off is Gus Morrison is, is a talent, and we have to account for him. And so, you know, for our sake, to take pressure off of Gus, which will allow him to be even more productive, is try to spread the ball around a little bit. The fact that you can get guys the ball either in space with the passing game or give it to them in the backfield in the running game, and it's the same guys that are able to do that, how does that make your offense a lot tougher to stop? Well, we do believe it It does, and we have an offensive line that I'm high on, but they're still learning on the job, and so there's a certain learning curve there, and so I believe the diversity of the offense also kind of helps them grow up and, and gives them some time to grow up without putting so much pressure on them also. What have you learned about your defense two games in? I don't know that I've learned anything that we, we weren't expecting. We're a work in progress. We're athletic. I think we get to the ball well. We just got to finish plays. So much is made of the offenses between Ritchie County and St. Mary's, but is there a chance that this breaks into a defensive struggle? Well, it very well could be. They have a lot of pride. I think both schools have a lot of pride in their defense. I mean, offense is what you talk about all the time, but I know last year, we, well, listen, we were tickled to death. We were very pleased with the defense that we got to shut out against Magnolia, and that was important to us, and, and it was important that we continue that through week two. And You can just tell uh, over at St. Mary's that the way they play defense is awful important to them. Them too. So it could be a defensive game, but you know, in games like this, you're just never really sure how they're going to play out. Sometimes they don't always play out the way you go into them. As far as where this falls on the schedule, do you feel like both teams are going to be ready two games in for a challenge like this? I know watching them on film, you know, they're the best team that uh, we faced on film, and I thought you could see a dramatic improvement in their play from week one to week two. I think we had an improvement in what we did from week one and week two. So I don't know if I always look at it that way. I would rather be playing them in week three than week one. After a couple weeks, it turns into more about, you know, how many kids do you have healthy? Are you in the right frame of mind to play that way? Then is this a good spot? 
right, there's certainly a sweet spot. Either you're too green in week one or maybe you're not healthy in week six or seven. Yeah, because, you know, that's just the nature of the sport. You're going to get some nicks as the season goes. Does it make it easier for you and for your players that you know so many of the personnel on both sides? They go to tie together. Trey was one of your players last year. Does that make it easier to scout them on film and to kind of get some tendencies? I would say the kids do know each other pretty well, many of the kids. I think just the fact that we are so close and we, we play each other each year, I think both of us are pretty familiar with what each is probably going to do. I mean, ultimately, though, I think we know each other well enough that it probably ultimately comes down to the teams that are fundamentally the soundest, has the most talent. Usually that wins out. So, Ben, emphasis this week on things like snap count and fundamentals and being crisp and being sound in a lot of the areas because, like you said, it really might come down to who is the most sound on each side of the ball. And I'm a big believer in that. And if you watch game after game of different people tapes, sometimes, you know, you you hurt yourself with negative plays or penalties, uh, turnovers and things like that. You will not beat a good football team with those type of miscues. How difficult is it to play three weeks into the season against a guy that was a rebel just a month ago? I mean, there are probably some raw feelings in the locker room. To keep that factor down among your players and to keep that from being a motivating factor, is that difficult for you as a staff? You know, uh, I've wondered about that. Well, for two weeks, and and here we are this week. And as far as practice goes, uh, I don't see it being an issue. It's not talked about a lot, but but I'm sure, I'm sure our kids are going to know where where he's at on Friday night. And so I guess it adds from uh, your guys' angle from it. uh, It's something to talk about. But for me, I'm hoping that once kickoff happens, it goes right back to just we're playing ball. You just another guy in purple and gold. Yeah, yeah, just guy on the other side. Getting to play on a turf surface this week, is that something with your speed and, and, and with your skill guys uh, can be an advantage for you later on? It could be. And I, I think we've always played pretty well on turf. It does feel softer. We always practice on grass and play on grass. But right. last week, I don't know if you've been to Wahama lately. It's my first time of being on a field, and we walked out on it. The grasses, uh, it couldn't have been a half more than a half inch high, and it was Bermuda. I felt I was walking on a golf course on a green. It was a hybrid turf last week. So last week, a little bit, we were on turf. But it's nice to change pace to get on turf, and it has a different feel for it. But we had a young man move in here from South Carolina who played on turf last year. And a week or two ago, I asked him, he says, I said, what was it like practicing on turf every day? He says, well, today it wouldn't have been a whole lot of fun because <laughs> when it's hot, it's like 120 degrees on this turf. So, you know, you get into that part of it, too. Were you kind enough to repair your divots last week? Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know that we did. So I don't know how many divots we, that, that we created. But Wahama's done a nice job with her field, and so uh, it was kind of neat to play on that. What's this game going to come down to? I know there's a whole lot of cliches in, in rivalry games, games that are closely matched. What will be the biggest thing that you need to do to get the win? I think it's what we mentioned earlier. you got to minimize turnovers. And, you know, in big games, kids are trying to make a play, and sometimes things happen. But uh, I think that's the where I start is, is we really have to value the ball. That's Richie County head coach Rick Hoth. The Rebels take on the St. Mary's Blue Doubles on Light Rock 93R. You can see that live on Light Rock 93R's Facebook page. The video is there, and you can also listen on LightRock93R.com and through the TuneIn app. Let's take a look at some of the games of the week from throughout the area, and we're going to go out of the area for this one. How about Spring Valley and Martinsburg in Class AAA playing? That's a late replacement for Spring Valley. They were going to play Ashland, Kentucky, and that game fell through for Spring Valley, but Martinsburg said, yeah, we'll play you. And what's cool about that is that's not just a one-year thing. That's the first year of a two-year deal. That game is going to be a home-and-home matchup between Spring Valley and Martinsburg. They signed a multi-year deal, so who says nothing good can 
out of COVID-19, right? That's a cool thing to see come of that. Locally, St. Mary's and Ritchie, again, a lot on the line there. St. Mary's is 2-0. Ritchie is 2-0. Trey Moss, of course, somebody who transferred from Ritchie to St. Mary's very late in the game in the preseason this year. A lot of eyes will be on him. If you're Moss, it's going to be tough to avoid making the game about more than what it is. He probably wants to show his old team what they lost, what they're missing without him. If he indeed feels they may have undervalued him, if you're Richie, you're definitely going to want to show that they don't need Moss. No bones about it. There are some hurt feelings probably both ways in the way that went down. So we'll see how that comes out to play as St. Mary's takes on Richie. And then Parkersburg and Marietta, both of those teams surging. I think Parkersburg probably a little bit more experience. The potential is there for them to do some big things this year, more so than maybe it is for Marietta. They're still a pretty young team, but both of those teams are going to be buoyed by some wins last week. Marietta over Athens and PHS over Wheeling Central. So we'll see who rides that wave of momentum a little bit better. And I got another one for you. How about Williamstown and Fort Fry? That Fort Fry team is a team that thought they could go a long way in, Cla- in, in Ohio this year, and who's not to say that they still can't? Uh, Warren played them really close earlier this season. I was a little surprised by that in week two over in Ohio, and how close Warren and, Fr- and Fort Fry were. Either it is a good sign for Matt Kimes' program at Warren, or a sign that maybe Fort Fry is not as solid as people think they are. Williamstown it's a good test for them in week three. Might be a little too early for that team to have that kind of a test. I'm not sure if they're developed enough for that kind of a threat, but we're going to find out the best way possible on the field as Williamstown and Fort Fry duke it out. So there are some really good games, not just in this area, but statewide with Spring Valley Martinsburg. And again, like I said, going across the river with Williamstown and Fort Fry, some fantastic matchups this week. Here are the games we'll have on the stations of Seven Rangers Radio and Mid-Ohio Valley Radio. B96.9 has Parkersburg South on the road at Princeton. Light Rock 93R has St. Mary's and Ritchie. WVAM has Parkersburg and Marietta. And WXCR has Tyler Consolidated. They're at 1-1 one one now after their win last week. Tyler Consolidated taking on Calhoun County. So South Princeton on V96.9. St. Mary's Ritchie County on Light Rock 93R. WVAM has PHS and Marietta. And WXCR has Tyler Consolidated and Calhoun County. Some good matchups there. A full slate on our stations this week. Our poll question this week. Are you satisfied with streaming video options for high school football games. If you watch high school football this season through an online stream, have you been satisfied with a product? If not, would you be willing to pay or pay more for a better service? An interesting question. I'll tell you why I brought that up. I brought that up because we have started on Light Rock 93R and WXCR offering a video stream of the games this year. And in just a couple of weeks, fans have come to depend on that because they can't get into the games. And we tested this with a scrimmage from Spencer when St. Mary's went down and scrimmaged Roan County a couple weeks ago. The majority, the overwhelming majority of the comments about this service were positive, like, thank you for doing this. We're glad to have this. It's so cool to have this now that we don't have the ability to go to games. There were a few people that were just saying some awful things about the coverage and just being really nitpicky, not having anything nice to say at all. Camera's too shaky, or I can't get the focus right, or the camera needs to focus more. And I'm thinking, you know, this is this is 2020. Like, 30 years ago, I'm not sure if a radio station could get a phone line into Spencer. And what I mean by that is a phone line installed in the press box at uh, Roan County High School now, but back then it was Spencer High School. I'm not sure that you could get that service done 
on a couple weeks' notice uh, to do a high school football game that you'd almost have to call in the middle of summer to make sure that happened by whatever week you had to play that school in high school football uh, to make sure that line was installed and to make sure that you could do that game. Back in, say, 30 years ago, back 1990, wasn't there were no cell phones, and there certainly was not technology to do anything else to get in there to broadcast. You'd have to install a phone line, and that's even when the phone company was too busy servicing all the landlines from people that were still using landlines fairly regularly. Nowadays, you could probably get a phone line installed, but here we are doing Facebook Live streaming from Spencer. And there are people that are complaining because it's not as clear as they'd like it to be or the camera shakes too much. And it's not even a real game. It's a scrimmage that you could watch from the toilet if you wanted to. Right now, you could watch St. Mary's football while you poop. And to some people, they still don't see that as good enough for them. Cracks me up that there's some people that, I'm going to paraphrase this statement, if you stood in the middle of downtown Parkersburg and handed out $20 bills, they'd be griping that you weren't handing out 50s. You can't please everybody, I guess. We try to please you every week, and if we do, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can download us each week on SoundCloud and through Apple Podcasts. Again, like the Facebook page if you haven't already, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, and uh, we'll try to keep it up and going for you. And I need to get out and get more coach sound. I want to be able to talk to some more coaches and try to get some more sound for you on the podcast. It's just a matter of not being able to get to that by the time uh, the podcast has to drop every week, but hopefully we'll get more of a rhythm and we'll get some more sound for you and some of those coaches on the air for you here within the next couple weeks and, and before we get farther in the season. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the download. Thank you for subscribing. Write us, rate us, review us. Let us know how we're doing. Answer the poll question if you would. Thank you for listening again. My name is Eric Little. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, enjoy the games, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening don't you judge me you're the selfish one you're the one who charged his own brother for a bluth frozen banana i mean it's one banana michael what could it cost ten dollars you've never actually set foot in a supermarket have you